we went on a call for two shitbags that were fighting, and they were fighting outside in the parking lot. And by the time we got there, one of the shitbags went upstairs to the apartment and was yelling at us from his apartment window, down at us, calling <laughs> us names and stuff. So we said, stay right there. We're coming up by you. Hello! Welcome to episode 8 of the Handcuffs and Sawdust podcast. I am Mike Marazzo, and that guy over there across the United States is my partner, Brandon Silvera, and we are joined from another guy who's down the street, the left coast is representing tonight, Brian Luke from Dogwood Custom Builds is in the house. Woohoo! Hey guys, Yay. thanks for having me. We got <laughs> Yay! Oh, the, the fans are cheering for Brian. They're so happy you made it. Got a lot to live up to. <laughs> yeah, thanks for coming on, man. We appreciate it. I'm excited. Excited to Good. be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, short notice, and I appreciate the quick turnaround. So, uh, when you guys are up and running on your podcast, feel free to reach out to me. I will. I will. <laughs> Dang, man! You might not, need a maker. Not reach out to there. us. The band's breaking up. The band's breaking up already. <laughs> It's the Beatles, the Beatles. You can have us both on at the same See, time. See, Mike's gone international, and now his head's huge. <laughs> yeah. Did you get a chance to listen last night I to didn't. that? Man, my week has been absolutely freaking nuts. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> We're going to talk about your week in a second. So what Brandon is talking about is I have made a friend, JP, from Thin Blue Line Radio. He's in the UK. He's putting together a fantastic podcast idea for law enforcement out in the UK. And his goal is to be a conduit for resources for police officers in his area that need help. So this is something he's building up to for an August release. So anyone that's listening, please feel free to look up and follow Thin Blue Line Radio in the UK. They have a web, he's got a website, he's got Twitter, Facebook, you know, IG, he's all over the place. He has so, all of the things. All of the things, which we, do, we don't have a website yet. But does he but, have a Roadcaster Pro? He does, and that's who told me to get Little mine. shit. Yes, that's how I learned about this fantastic machine. So give JP a follow. He has asked me to join him on his podcast on an episode that will drop on September 11th. So looking forward to doing that over there across the pond, as they say, with that good old chap. And uh, he's got. Are you guys two... gonna have tea? I might just have a tea while I'm talking to him. Yeah, I think that would be perfect. Earl Grey, I think, is the uh, tea for the day over there, right? I don't know. I don't know. I Brian? drink coffee. I drink coffee. I don't know. Much if you put tea. more you water in the coffee, it tea. might turn you're, into you're tea. You're talking to an active duty guy and then a vet. We drink coffee. <laughs> you're both over there on that well, side. Yeah, for you on the screen. So, so for those of you who are only having audio on this, like uh, 100% of you, our screens are set up differently. For me, my picture is big, and then the other two Yahoos are smaller. And for those guys, they're big, with the other ones smaller. Right, so, so when Mike goes, you guys are over here and there, that's what he means. Thanks for Audio clarifying show, that. Audio yeah. show. Well, it'll be on TV at some point. <laughs> this was on my television yesterday, because when I got home, from work after working an 18-hour day, I put our podcast up on my television. 
Nice. It's just a picture of the of the I, and of I got to give you some. But. I got to give you some kudos. I didn't know how you were going to edit it all together, but the way you opened up episode seven was absolutely amazing. So so tip of the cap to you there because I knew what happened and I was like, ooh, I gotta, I'm in. Let's let let's go down this road. You had so many poignant thoughts. I pulled a bunch of them out, and then you were describing the brawny paper towel guy as your SWAT leader or whatever. Yeah. So I, I pulled Tactical that out. Lumberjack. Yeah, the lumberjack, <laughs> not the brawny paper towel guy. But when, <laughs> when he said to you, what did he say to you before you guys were going to open the door? Positive ID, know your backs up, identify the threat, and fucking end it. Right. So I had pulled that piece of audio out as well, and I, I moved all of them to the front to go ahead of the music, and then I just listened to the whole thing because I pulled like four clips out and then made it one big one. Mm-hmm. And then it just didn't flow properly. So, the one you picked was perfect. Yeah, it was because... That was the radio broadcast. When you As heard a listener, it, right. it sounded really good. So Yeah. Right. Thanks. So that, that worked out well. But since we're on that and that described last week, I'm going to ask you how your week was this week because you said it was a nightmare. <laughs> so, so let me walk you through my week. So Sunday night I go back to work. And we are insanely short right now. So, like, the minimum that each district in the city will roll out with is four. Okay. One district rolled out with three, and we had to hold over a swing shifter, which basically means, yeah, you have a person there with a pulse, but they're not going to really be all that useful to you because Was that like exhausted. me yesterday? Yeah. On my 18-hour I mean, day? They're tired. There's, I mean, it, right. we, and we, we usually try to take care of them. Like, dude, just go park there. You're more or less a number. So we ended up having a homicide happen. And, this was and when? It, yesterday? Uh, no, this was my Monday. Oh, Monday. So my Monday, Monday okay. which was Sunday night. Sunday night, okay. Then fast forward to the next day, we had... Wait, wait, um, wait. What was the homicide about? Okay, so it's homeless guy. We, we don't know a whole lot. It happened kind of where, like, the homeless community and the not-so-awesome part of town meets people who have a little bit of money. So this okay. guy got shot through, like, the the side and didn't wasn't bleeding a whole lot which is kind of an indication that things are not going to go well if you're bleeding out that's something that we can kind of fix but if you're if you're not bleeding out you're bleeding in and that's i can't treat that on the scene we have to get you to a hospital and you i think they used like every they drained the hospital of like their blood supply before he finally passed wow but yeah single Single shot got him. Um, but the only reason we knew about it is because somebody called and she was complaining that there was somebody outside of her house screaming. There's some guy. Well, yeah, could you just come shut him up? Screaming. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Guy. So responded out to that. He held on for a while, but he ended up passing away early the next morning. Came back to work, and one of our specialized units was involved in an officer-involved shooting. Yeah. Um. Love the sound effect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Um, unfortunately, the person passed away. The and person that was shot by the yes, officer. Yes, thankfully our officers were fine because um, it has been put out in the media. They were confronted with a deadly threat. This guy, it was just, it was a really crappy situation for all. So, And we'll be talking about that, right? That's one of our stories. Well. Uh, well, uh, part of it. Part of yeah, it. The right. weapon that he was armed with. Correct. Is a problem nationwide but particularly in california right now we're having a lot of problems with these uh, right. what are called ghost guns right so i was one of the 
initial responding guys to that. Like this happened as I was logging in, getting all my stuff loaded into my car. Oh, I love that kicking off a day with yeah. that. Well, and I, I said it on my way there. I'm like, oh, so this is how today's going to go. Right. I uh, spent more or less my whole night on that. The following what was your, day, Hold on, hold on. What oh, was your okay. job with that? Kind of what happens initially is they kind of pull the whole team – like the whole unit that was working that op to kind of debrief what happened. I didn't like figure out who the shooter was, all that stuff, get them pulled out. Well, there were still people inside of the, of the house that they were surveilling and investigating. So I was a part of the front side possible arrest team. If people came out. So I was out there once they kind of took the investigation back over, I transitioned into more of a, um, perimeter spot and then just so happened to end up hitching my wagon to a family member for most of the night and helped get our suspect's grandmother out out of the house safely oh nice but then uh yeah and then he was a african-american male which leads me to the following night Uh, because of his race we have some we, we have some uh organizations we'll call them that in our area that will use that as an excuse to try to create division between the community and the police department. They went out and were very vocal and basically told, well, not basically, they told outright lies saying that no. uh, we shot some unarmed individual when, when um, the surveillance footage from the neighborhood clearly shows he, he had two armed. arms. He was pointing. Oh, the weapon at, yes, he had two arms and he also had the uh, illegal firearm that he was prohibited from possessing due to a prior domestic violence conviction. He had an illegal extended magazine because in California, if you have, you know, 10 rounds, you're fine. But that 11th round, that's this, that's a scary one. And then he also had an unserialized gun. So he was like all kinds of in the wrong. The trifecta. Uh, and yeah, he, he made a poor decision and the result of that decision was his untimely death. So they were really pissed about that and they tried to uh, spread a bunch of lies. And then our department came out and um, released that security footage showing that, no, he was in fact armed. He was in fact chasing one plainclothes officer confronted another one with a deadly threat. And that officer responded in kind. I saw the video freeze. Yeah, you know, so I mean, still, it's still yeah, you. it's pretty undeniable, uh, right? What what they were confronted with, and if anybody's interested, you can go on the internet, and I mean the the press conference, including the surveillance video or footage, is on YouTube. So that was that, and then later that night, I think we also had a uh, we had another shooting <laughs> on the following. I'm getting I'm getting kind of my my days mixed up because it was. It was a rather, it was a week of nothing but critical incidents. Right. So the following day after the protests, actually it was the night of the protest. We had another shooting where uh, some guy took a round in his thigh and we thought for sure it had hit the femoral because there was blood everywhere. But uh, thankfully he went to the hospital with the superstar doctors. And uh, after about three or <laughs> four a special hours. hospital? Doesn't yeah, so so in it, so in the city there there's a number of different hospitals. If you go to the Kaiser one with a gunshot one, you're gonna die. If you I'm go sure they to, like to hear that. Well, I, hey, I'm sorry. They're perfect. They're a perfect five for five just on the nights that I've worked. Wow. 
So it's impressive. Five people have gone in there with gunshot wounds, and five people have died. I mean, if nothing, they're consistent, so at least you know. Yeah, uh, they have a 100% county... failure rate. Yeah. There's another county hospital where you got a, you got a decent chance if you go there, and then there's one that is on the east side of town that if you go there, I mean, they'll bring you back from the dead. Like, you could be dead. You go in there. I don't know what they shoot you up with. I don't know if it's, you know, like unicorn blood or something. or, But you walk out of there, you're fine. So mm. he went to the good hospital. He ended up living, which is was that really where nice. They will, will they bring all the officers to that hospital? Yeah, that's pretty much the unspoken agreement with everybody. Okay. Is if an officer goes down, you're going there. Right. Okay, good. Because we're going to live. Not the Cook County Hospital that you mentioned first. Yeah, no. Okay. You're not going to Kaiser. <laughs> all right. And then my last night, Friday, uh, the only crazy thing was we had a, a young lady who was a little suicidal, and she decided to jump out of a uh, second-story window and shatter her ankle. And only and pissed had... herself off. Yeah. <laughs> didn't, like... didn't succeed, but got no. a really bad ankle break. Yeah. Well, the thing she was the most concerned about was getting her damn phone. It's like, where's my phone? Where's my phone? Like, your ankle is pointed backwards. You know, <laughs> and you're worried about your phone? I've seen many people jump out of windows since we're on the window jumping theory right now. Yeah. Uh, once I was training, and this one story just came up today. One of our really low-budget motels, it was like lunchtime. We get a call. Some guy called for an ambulance, and he wanted the police, and I'm training a rookie. And I think it was my friend Kevin's call, and my, my buddy Mark, was he's the boss. He was just opening up a sandwich he was actually parked behind this said hotel so when the call came out he you know he swore a little and then he starts heading over there and then when you're training a rookie you know we we take the rookies we take all the calls right as an yeah. as the training officer so like oh okay well we have to go on this call this is his very first day he's still in civvies <laughs> so we pull up at the hotel it's a two-story ho hotel some of the rooms are outdoors we walk through the courtyard, and my buddy Kevin pulls up. So the three of us are walking up, and there's it's actually a three-story hotel, but the bottom story is like garden level, right? And we we come around the corner. We're heading to the section where the door is, the entry door. And I look up, up to the third floor, and the screen is pushed out, right? And there's a guy, and he's sitting in the window. And he goes, hey, you're here for me. I'm like, oh, okay. Wait a minute. And he and he goes, right out the window. Head first. He just dives right out the window. Jeez. And what made it worse was it wasn't just a it's actually like the second story, mm -hmm. but the garden level right underneath him had was dug down because it's like a oh. a smoking area, maybe. It's got like a seven foot concrete wall all around it, so it's sunk down at least seven or eight feet. So it's actually another level. So he just took a header out Jeez. right in front of me and in front of the rookie. So, you know, he's, you know, whatever. He's there. In the, and we call EMS and all that stuff. And Did he survive? Oh, no. No, because he <laughs> dove head first. Well, I, so hey, he, I, I've seen. He knew what he was doing, unlike the girl that just broke her ankle. Yeah. Right. Well, she was young. She didn't, she didn't have a lot of life experience yet. Okay. She landed on stairs too and snapped. A, oh, even a, worse. A stair tread. So, he didn't live. So I'm driving the rookie. At the end of the day, we only worked eight hour shifts back then. Oh, the good old days. And 
I said to him, hey, man, if you need anybody to talk to, you know, feel free to call me. His response was, no, I'm all right. I play video games. (laughs) I'm like, oh, God. So you see death and video games. Okay, you're all right. Some guy just killed himself right in front of you. But since you play whatever, Nintendo, you're okay. It's a different world, man. Yeah, that was the one window jumping story at that hotel. And then, eh, two years ago, we're at the same hotel for this big party. A lot of people from the west side of Chicago come to our hotels and throw wild parties and destroy shit. So there was one of those parties going on, and the tech team shows up, and our patrolmen show up. There's my shift, and... They're, they go on the room and they knock on the door. Right, there's like 50 people in there, so they're just clearing the room out because we don't have the manpower to bust everybody. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's a kid in the room. He's got a backpack on. Mind you, we're just clearing the room. We're not running people. We're not getting IDs. We don't want. We don't give a shit who's in the room. Yeah. Just, just get out. Leave. This kid's freaking out because he has like, I don't know if it was, <laughs> 10 what pounds of weed? weed on him. He's got oh, 10 pounds of weed, weed. in his backpack. And he would have just walked right past every... It was a big backpack. Not a hiking backpack, but it was a pretty big backpack. And he he would have just walked right past everybody and left. But instead, he, like, panics. I was on another call. I was, like, on a domestic at the time. And I just remember... So I remember (laughs) my buddy going, um, calls for an ambulance. What's the problem? We have a guy on the ground. That's all he said. There's a guy on the ground. And I'm like... Guy on the ground? What the F is he talking about? Well, the kid pushes the screen out of the window and and second floor again, same up same hotel, but on the opposite side, pushes the screen out, decides he's gonna hang down, right, and drop into that well, because that well that I described goes all the way around. So all those garden rooms have window act, you know, you can open a window. Yeah. He shatters both his legs. Just he's laying in a heap on the ground. And my sergeant's just looking out the window, looking, going, Don't move. He's yelling down, don't move. And he just walks down there and the guy's, you know, a ball of jelly laying down in the ground. And we just not me because I wasn't there. My buddy grabs the backpack. Hey, let me get that for you. P- takes it up. He's like, What what's in here? <laughs> Zip. Yeah. So that's Uh-oh. my window diving story. So sorry to interrupt, but I have to interject when I hear something familiar. Yeah. So that was that was how my week ended, and uh, I am officially on vacation for the next week. Wow. Lucky you. Hey, it's been it's it's been a pretty long sure time you since earned I this vacation. Vac- yeah, seriously. Holy crap. Yeah, after the last uh, week and a half, I, I, this vacation is very much welcomed. I think. Um, a higher power was actually telling you to go on vacation yeah. because you need you need some time off, buddy. <laughs> you need to go somewhere where there aren't police activities yeah. where you're needed. Yeah. So how was your week? My week was um because we we just recorded our last episode. I don't even know what effing day it is right now. Saturday, right? So we Hold recorded on. Saturday nope, night. Phone says Thursday. No, no, it's it's Thursday now. We recorded episode seven on Saturday. Okay. If you say so. (laughs) So then um, I was off, right, Saturday night, Sunday night, 
I was off Monday because they had to give me a day off in lieu for my training today. So I only worked Tuesday. And then I had training. And Tuesday turned into, hey, the day shift's short again. So you have <laughs> to work 18 stay? hours. So, yeah, it's funny because they start asking people, who wants to stay? And I'm the first guy to go, not me, because <laughs> I, don't, I don't work overtime. Because our overtime is 18 hours. The only benefit of working this one 18-hour shift was I didn't have to go back to work five hours later getting off. You know what okay. I mean? Because normally you get off, you'll work, we start at 7 p.m. And mm-hmm. if you have, you work your till 7 a.m. And then if someone calls in sick, you're, you're staying till 1 p.m. And then you got to be back at 6.45. Yeah. And if you live any distance, you're getting two and a half hours of sleep. Yeah. So my one buddy who's the low man on our shift, he just figured he'd take it. Because I said, no, I ain't taking it. Well, then he gets forced. Yeah. So we're all having lunch, watching a few good men. And my buddy comes in, my other friend comes in, and he's kind of pissed off. And I'm like, dude, what's up, you know? He's like, oh, you know, we're we're short. And he's going to work two 18s this weekend. We have to work three days. We work 38 hours this week, right, or 36 hours, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. In those three days, he's going to work two 18-hour shifts and this 12-hour shift. So he's going to work Friday, 18 hours, Saturday, and then go to his his mom actually lives like two miles away. So he'll be able to get a little bit more sleep, maybe sleep for four hours, work 18, sleep four hours, come back, work 12. So he was going to do that. My sergeant signed up for one of the 18-hour shifts. My other friend signed up for one of the 18-hour shifts, and the young guy was going to get forced. So he just looks at me and goes, you know, I'm just trying to be a good teammate. And I go, we don't have a, we're not, we're not, we're not playing football. I'm, it's hard for me to do these 18 hour shifts. And, you know, I'm old. I can't, I, my turnaround isn't that quick anymore. And he's like, yeah, it's, it's not easy for us either, but I'm just trying to help out. And I'm looking at him and I'm like, God damn it. Are you going to really get me into this? Yeah, he did. I texted my buddy. I'm like, I'm taking that shift. He's like, no, no, I'm off Friday and Saturday. I'll do it. And I go, nope, I'll take it. Got to be a team so, player. <laughs> you got to be a team player. So I did my team playing. And uh, so that was Tuesday into Wednesday. I worked my 18-hour shift. And let's see. You know, I had uh, criminal damage. We got a call for some guy that broke a car he broke a car and like the whole a car door yeah broke Window. a car he, so this woman's separated i think from her husband and she's in her He's apartment not taking it well no the the husband comes by i guess right and sees one of his friend's cars there yeah he does so he like pounds on the door and actually pushes in the the glass of the entry door into the apartment building. So he broke that. And then there's a little argument. And then as he's leaving, walking past this car that belongs to the guy who was there, he smashes the mirror down with his hand, you know, and then drives away. So we had just that little call and some unfounded other reports that was on Tuesday. And then into Wednesday when I was staying, we, I had to go back to the hotel where all the jumpers are. Some guy called and said he lost his phone. And the call came out on the dispatch and like, go see Anthony. And he says, you have his phone. I'm like, okay. 
So they send two of us over there. And a third guy shows up. We have a part-time officer. He's I love him. He retired from CPD, from Chicago Police Department, after like 30-something years. And he's a salty vet. <laughs> so he works part-time <laughs> with us. And it's funny because the guys in Chicago, not all of them, but all the ones I see in the summertime when it's hot, they leave their vest open on like one side. Okay, yeah, they like vent it out. Yeah, so they can vent it out. And then they walk around like that. And I'm always like, well, you're going to get shot in that side of your body, if you, you know what I mean? But so yeah, it's I get there. I'm walking towards the room, and I'm coming up to that window where the guy jumped out of the third floor and into the well. So I'm coming up in the courtyard, and I always look up there. And, uh, you know, now, I swear to God, I'm looking to be ambushed at every call. And it's, and I'm, not, I'm trying not to be funny because I'm just seeing it everywhere, right? So yeah. looking for gunmen, waiting for someone to run out from between cars with a knife or some bullshit. And then I see my buddy, the old timer. He's walking up. His vest is hanging open. He's, he's trying to pull it on. And there's this African-American guy behind him with, dreads and his pants hanging down to like his ass is hanging out and my buddy goes is that effing guy behind me oh yeah he's right there he's like literally right behind him and the guy says you are you going to room 132 i said yeah that's me man what's up i'm in room 132 i said okay you called us yeah okay where's my phone i go what you guys have my phone i go I've been here 17 hours. I haven't seen you. How do I have your phone? Because it was right near, I was almost close to getting off. He goes, yeah, you guys have my phone. I'm like, come on, man. Let's not play this game. I don't know you. I haven't seen you. We haven't had a call here all week. I don't have your phone. When did you last see it? Oh, I was in Humboldt Park, which is a shit neighborhood. And I had it there. And then I lost it. I go, all right. Can we go to your room? Maybe it's in your room. Oh, okay. So we walk to his room. He tells me, don't pay attention to my room. I'm like, oh, okay. I'm like, well, guess what I'm going to definitely pay attention to now. Well, remind you, it's like 1230. I've been working since 7, 7 p.m. the night before. I'm not looking for shit. So he opens the door, and I swear to God, it was like there was a homicide scene in there. It was a complete disaster. And I'm like, <laughs> Nothing oh, to boy. see here. Nothing. <laughs> right. So I go, give me your phone number. So he, he he reads his phone number off of his head like I'm an Evelyn Wood speed reading course, you know, master's class participant. <laughs> and I go, dude, slow the F down and tell me your phone number. So for any police officer out there that doesn't know, and you have to use your phone if you don't have a work phone that they give you, there's an app called 1021. Now, 1021 out here, Brandon, is call. Yeah, same out here. By you, it might be crows flying into a vent or something because No, 1021 10... is a phone call. Oh, okay. So we have 110 yeah. code that matches. All right. All right. So the app Moving is called 10, 1021. I highly recommend downloading it. It will assign some random number from a different state to your phone number when you call anybody, you know, for businesses and stuff. You could also dial star six seven beforehand and block your number. Yeah, that doesn't really work that well. No. 
Okay. So get 1021. But <laughs> anyways. Or if you're cheap like me, just press star six seven. It's a free app. Just don't read the ads Their when you open it. service is not free. Uh, yeah, it is. I don't get paid. I mean, they don't charge me. <laughs> <laughs> so I ring his phone, and I can hear it in the room, which is pitch black, and he's got to literally jump over, like, mounds of shit. I don't know what it is. I don't want to know. He There's finds the phone. Keep, keep the lights off. But yeah, I didn't want to know. He finds the phone, and he's like, Thank you very much, officer. He's very nice. And I'm like, you're welcome, Anthony. Are we okay now? And he goes, no, man, I'm not okay. Can you give me your gun so I can shoot myself? And I said, I got to go. Bye. <laughs> I just Jeez. left. I'm like, I can't I can't do this right now. I got to go home. I'm very tired. <laughs> I go, no, dude, you're, you're okay. I just imagine that you're like Murtaugh from Lethal Weapon. You're just like, I'm too old for <laughs> this shit. for this shit, yeah. <laughs> So yeah, uh, there's a third story window up there that's still pushed yeah. out. <laughs> if you really the screen is still missing. You don't even have to push it out. Uh, go ahead. Help yourself. Oh, man. Yeah. So that was my short week. You know, so I only had that one <laughs> night and day. So I don't have much exciting stuff to talk about. But the weekend's coming up and I'm sure we'll be hey. busy as all get out. Yeah. Running short, of course. So yeah. that's coming that's up. the only way to do it on midnights. If you're not short, you're not a midnighter. I guess. Uh, well, oh, here's some news. So we're down six officers. Solid. Yeah. And commander's leaving in June 25th. Cool. And then I find out one of my good friends just put his paperwork in to retire in September, and he's moving to Texas. So we'll be down eight guys. And we've got two officers out on injury and a third one about to go out on injury because we had a guy escape. Out of a side door. So one of my buddies tackled him in the parking lot and then, of course, wrecked his knee. Yeah. So we're going to have three out on IOD. We're missing eight in September. IOD injured on duty? Injured on duty. So we'll have one-third of our department missing by January. Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah. And I'm sure you're just getting flooded with uh, applications for people wanting to be police officers right now. As a matter of fact... Do you guys have the blueline.com out by you? It's a website no. that advertises. Well, I'm sure it's on the internet. If I, I'm sure I could pull it up. I don't. I, I just don't know it. if it's if it's area specific because in Illinois, anyone that advertises for openings at the police department, they all advertise on the blueline.com. So, no. We we saw one of my friends was looking for another job. Maybe I don't know. Always it's checking the blue lines. Yeah, it's everyone in our department's doing it. And we saw our posting on there. So this month, our department here in Illinois, you have to keep an eligibility list every two years, right? For two years. Mm-hmm. Is it the same out in California? Uh, I'm not sure what the requirements are. But okay. I, so here, I mean, it's our, every... our department has had so many retirements that we're constantly like bringing people in. Okay. And I know it's been tougher to recruit as of late. Yeah. Since one year on the job, my chief back then had asked me, since I started this job at 33 years old, right, which is a little bit late to be a police officer or to start. So from after my hire and when they were two years later, they're rehiring or testing, he asked me to speak at the orientation. And I had done that all the way up until this test, which I didn't have any part in. So apparently we had like, they just advertised on the blue line. 
and they had, I think I heard today, 20 applicants. <laughs> 20 applicants showed up for orientation and to take the written test. And then some got knocked out before the written test even took place. And then 11 passed the written test. And this coming weekend is the physical agility test. So we may have seven What does your physical agility test uh, entail? There's a company out here called Cops Fire and Police Testing or Cops and Fire Testing. So it, it's a obstacle course stuff. Let's see. You have to... You have to run a quarter mile in 90 seconds or less, right? There's a six-foot wooden plywood wall. Yeah. So indoors, they ha- they put this wall on the basketball court at one end. Yeah. You sprint to the opposite end, come back, and jump the six-foot wall. Yeah. Then there's an obstacle course where you have to jump a four-foot wall, like a chain-link fence kind of thing, run across yeah. a two-by-four without falling off. You know, then there's— Yeah, to simulate, like, stepping on and off of a curb and stuff like that. Right. Then you have to run the stair thing, which is insane, like three flights of stairs up or down. You have to hit every step, and there's, it's timed. Then you have to carry a 75-pound dummy up the steps. Then you have to do a body drag of a 150-pound dummy, like 21 feet in certain 12 seconds. You have to climb a ladder from the fire department. You have to hang like this. I'm putting my hands. It's like a chin-up. Yeah, but right. Your chin well, has like to a stay up. Grip. On the ladder rung, with your chin above the rung, and the arms locked for, I think it's 30 seconds. So it was like 10 or 12 events. And I remember when I went, and now I just did this again when I came back to the department at, you know, at 50. I had to do this. Jeez. I thought I was going to kill myself. <laughs> I thought I was going to die. Third story. <laughs> yeah. So it's really hard. And we, we don't have any women that work for us, unfortunately. They can't get over the wall. They yeah, can't I've, get I've over the six-foot wall. Us, that, that usually the hardest thing for, for female applicants is the solid wall. You, we you have, have to use a lot of upper wall. body strength. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so for us, we have like the six-foot solid wall, and then we have a six-foot right. uh, chain link. Oh, okay. And yeah, the like solid wall is yard, like 25-yard sprint. And then, uh, okay. yeah, so 25-yard run-up, go over the wall 25-yard uh, sprint at the end. I usually assist at all of these, and then I they make me jump it in my full uniform, <laughs> which gets harder as I get older. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, so we might have maybe six people might actually end up on the list, and then if they want to hire said six people, they have to do all the the background and the psych and the poly and stuff. Yeah. We're probably gonna end up with no one oh, yeah, from you're... this testing cycle. Yeah, I was gonna say uh, that puts you like a year out from them even starting. Like an academy. Yeah, we don't have... You have to hold the academy spots out by us. There's... Chicago Police has an academy that I went to. Then the state police have has an academy. And then there's the county, Cook County Police. They run a, an academy. And then there's um, an academy at the DuPage County Academy. So... And then there's one more private one, I think. And those slots fill up fast. And Yeah. We were holding two, I think, from what my deputy chief told me, like maybe five months ago. And now those slots are filled up, and who knows? So we'll be down at least by next year. The department will be down a third of the officers. Jeez. Because we only have 32, 33 sworn we're supposed to have. Yeah. So we'll be down a third. How long does the academy take? When I, I went, it was t- 14 weeks. 
Now, yeah, so it, it varies by state. Uh, well, also so you, not only by state but in state too, because Chicago, I went to their academy, mm-hmm. but as a metro officer, we were fourteen weeks. Chicago does the same academy. They go 26 weeks because they have so many ordinances on the books and other city laws that they have to learn. So they they get an additional 12 weeks just to learn the Chicago bullshit. Yeah. But so that's ours. So like, we're either 14 or 26. Yeah. So in California, the basic uh, state level standard is like six months. And then depending on the agency you work for, like so mine, we did the six months and then we had like two two to three additional weeks of like in-house training and then and then we were on the street so all all told it was almost almost like seven months does that count towards your probation no all right so like our probation was i guess uh i I guess if you look at it they don't really start counting it until you're actually released from fto like that so when you're released from everyone like they they want you to just focus on like academy focus on field training and then, hey, you're still on probation for like ten months, and then you're well. So that, it is that's part where of your this. focus is. Yeah. So I mean, I think all yeah. told, you're on probation for like a year and a half. But by the time right, you're okay. actually on the street and everything, by the right. time you're actually aware of the fact that you're on probation, you only have like ten months left. Oh, that's good. Because right. you're you're so, so focused on everything else. Right. So that was my week, Brandon. That was your week, Brian. How was your week? A lot quieter than your guys' week. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> that's good. Um, no, it was pretty quiet. I mean, last week I went to uh, San Diego. It's about a seven-hour drive. Visited my brother. He's a Navy helicopter pilot. No oh, shot time, really. That's awesome. Yeah, it was a nice break. I was getting to that point where I was just exhausted and kind of checked out from being in the shop. Uh, right. And uh, went down there, got to see my parents, niece, nephews, um, had a blast with them. And then I came back, and it's back to school. So yeah, just so kind of more tell the, the listeners, same. Tell the listeners what you're doing for school. So I am but, a uh, Navy, active duty Naval officer, um, an O2, which is a lieutenant junior grade. And uh, so pretty junior, very low on the totem pole, uh, as Brandon would, would know. <laughs> um, and uh, I'm doing a, a manpower systems analysis master's degree in Monterey, California. My department could use that. <laughs> Sign me up. I, I already looked up the uh, Thin Blue Line USA uh, website, go. so I think you sent that to me a couple of years ago, actually, Mike. Yeah. No, so uh, the the end state of that degree is to figure out, kind of plan for the needs of the Navy personnel-wise, uh, 5, 10, 20 years down the line, uh, kind of the threats that we're expected to face. But right now, it's when we go to school, it's shirt and tie we're not wearing uniforms it's it's stripped of all as much military okay. um customs and courtesies are taken out of it because they want you similar how, to how brandon was saying when you're at the academy you focus on the academy you focus on that stuff that you're learning they all right. they want us to do is to get the information get the academics get the education and then when you go back to the fleet or to the force you put your uniform back on um you know just it's it's the way for them to help us focus which i need help with so i've been i've been curious about uh naval postgrad is it one of those really competitive things for you guys to try and get into or is it like hey you're gonna go here because the navy needs it (laughs) it's it's a um it's very much told so it's voluntold uh when they asked me uh, when i got transferred to human resources they gave me you know get your list of top five where you want to go 
and Naval Postgraduate School was not on the list. And she said, oh, well, like you just got here March 2020. Like you're going to line up perfectly with this new operations research degree or whatever. You're going. And I was like, cool. <laughs> I guess I'm back. You know, so it and now that I'm here, I'm very happy to be out here. But again, it was um, they need these degrees for these analytical roles. So they suck that from whatever community they can get. Well, they don't just yeah. pick like Joe Bozo to do it. They pick someone that they think they can do it. So you must have some qualities that they like. I don't know. Maybe it's the mustache. I don't know. I would say the mustache is strong. The power of the mustache is, uh, is so, powerful. So out of regulations. I'm going to have to trim it. Uh, we've been just so granted, I've been in Monterey for uh, 13 months now, and wow. I've never been in the classroom on base. I've oh, only wow. been oh, in my, yeah, I've been in my bedroom distance learning. Because of COVID. Because the Rona. Yeah. yeah. So that's why the mustache is out of regs. That's why the hair's <laughs> not always cut well. That's why I have so much shop time because I'm not going sure. to and from base. Yeah. So pretty lucky overall. I was going to say, you, you timed this well. <laughs> You're pretty lucky. Because just, yeah, just the traffic, even locally from, from where you're living to Naval Postgrad, uh, for people that didn't watch the pre-show live, I'm, I'm former Monterey PD, so I know how, how busy that traffic is just going from – where you are to Naval Postgrad, like that could take sometimes 20, 30 minutes. I don't understand the traffic like in California. That's one Nobody thing does. I'll never. I thought Florida yeah. drivers were bad. They were aggressive, but California drivers, we're, we're going 55 and a 65, and they're in the yeah. fast lane. I, I don't want You would get yeah. faster yeah. if you rode a bike. Yeah. <laughs> Probably. I don't know well, very heck, much about Even with riding bikes and being able to lane split, like to me, that's the most dangerous thing you could do around here no no i'm at a bicycle but yeah the the motorcycles right lane splitting it's illegal in illinois and i remember in 09 i was in san francisco i was on my way to see my family in modesto we always go to san francisco and we're driving down embarcadero drive and some asshole on a motorcycle is like right and i'm like what the f was that and they can't do that and sure enough everyone in california is lane splitting on a bike and i i don't understand how that's legal used to that so actually brandon you can maybe clear that up for me uh in terms of that law is that only when it's traffic because some people are whizzing by like 85 90 miles an hour on the highway between cars yeah well i mean technically they're they're speeding so the okay. idea behind yep. behind lane, lane splitting is <laughs> you are allowed to do it, but you're not allowed to speed. So just like with a with a yellow light, yellow light doesn't actually mean slow down. It is a warning to you that the green cycle is ending and the red cycle is about to begin. And if you can make it past that limit line without speeding, go for it. Same thing if you go to like pass a car in a two lane road, you can pass as many cars as you want without getting back over as long as you're not speeding. If you're actively passing. You can pass two, three cars at a time, but it's the jackasses that go like 112 miles an hour on like 152 to get that one extra spot so they can still sit in traffic. Those are the assholes. You guys wouldn't like driving in Italy because no. I barely like mo- driving here. Mopeds and motorcycles, they lane split and cut you off and they go all the way to the front of the line at red lights and it's very aggressive and frustrating i we turned in a rent a car we were we went to italy a few years ago and we drove from i think milan to uh, i don't know uh, we drove all over the place but everywhere there's these damn people on scooters and vespas and shit and i go to turn the car in 
And the guy's looking around the car. He's doing his checklist. And he goes, oh, uh, Mr. Marazzo, you have a scrape right here. And I'm like, yeah, Marazzo. (laughs) I go, yeah, your asshole drivers did that. I didn't do that. Some idiot on a Vespa (laughs) hit the car. I'm like, I'm not paying for that. You people out here don't know how to drive. I'm not. That's not my fault. But yeah, so yeah, he's sitting here going, "These damn Americans." Yeah, well, of course, <laughs> we're sworn at from all over the world. So Brian, uh, San Diego, whole family's there. Yeah, I saw some of your pictures. Uh, your nephew is that your nephew? Uh, uh, probably the, the one that you're walking with, and he's looking, oh looking yes, down. that's my youngest. That's my youngest nephew. Oh my god, just. Just yeah, pure they're, precious. They're, they're, yeah, they're awesome kids. Yeah, they're they keep me uh, they keep me busy. Yeah, I'm glad you're uh, you got away and you got to relax. And your mom and dad live in San Diego too. No, so they live in Ohio. Oh, okay. And they flew out oh, okay. to San Diego. To Everyone visit. met out there for this visit. Yep. Yeah, we were there. I was there for eight days, and they were there for three or four, maybe. So, um, some good overlap. Uh, nice. I've never Fuck. been there. I've always wanted to go. I hear it's just fast, it's, beautiful. It's incredible. The weather is so much. I mean, Monterey is very gray and cloudy, but it's very hot and very sunny down there. So it was it was a good it was a good break, kind of recharge the batteries, and then there's a base down there, right? Yes, I think there's. I think San Diego is one of the biggest military cities in the United States or in the world. There's three or four different naval bases. There's Marine Corps. Camp Pendleton. Yeah. It's okay. it's an enormous military it, it, town. Yeah, it's it's one of the best military towns out there. And as food. active duty, can yeah. you just go on can you go on any base? Yes. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Maybe not Area fifty one where they keep the aliens, but <laughs> Right. Well no one can go on. <laughs> yeah. No, so I think yeah, unless there's something crazy going I think on. You, I think you could get on the base. I don't think you could get to the actual good parts though. We'll test it out. I'll let you guys know how it yeah. goes. <laughs> yeah. Might need you, you to bail arrested. me out of jail. My two cop <laughs> friends told me to try this. <laughs> okay. I, I think I have a couple of friends that still are at uh, Nellis, and they might be able to help us out. That's hilarious. We have to network, Brian. So us in law enforcement and you in the military. We got to network. They can't stop all of us. <laughs> That's, yeah. I'm right. really disappointed that whole storm Area 51 thing never actually happened. I don't know what you're talking about. You don't you don't remember this? It was like two years ago. There's this whole thing going around the internet that like on one day all the nerds were going to storm Area fifty one because the thought was, well, they can't stop all of us and we're gonna find out about the damn aliens. If the aliens built the pyramids in Egypt, they're gonna be able to stop all those people trying to yeah, trying to get in. To get in there. Yeah, yeah. So you don't have to be worried about the military, you have to be worried about the aliens. Everyone had I this whole it. misconception that the aliens are gonna be like super stoked to see you. <laughs> There's probably a reason they haven't made contact with us yet. Well, they have. I, but I wouldn't make contact with us. Not right now. We yeah, look like I a bunch know. of bubbling idiots. Not well, you and I, personally. <laughs> but society. Well, <laughs> maybe. All right, so let's get to the show. Everyone's weeks were good the, or bad. This wasn't the show? No. <laughs> We just have a couple stories we want to talk about in the news. Yeah. Oh, there's the news music, Brian. Fade Back to so you, Mike. Not distracting. Back to you. <laughs> Did you guys ever see the movie with 
I'm so tired, guys. I apologize. <laughs> Jim Was Carrey. Was it the movie with the guy? It's the guy, and he's doing the thing. <laughs> no, oh, at it was, the place, um, yeah. Yeah, at the place. But Jim Carrey and Bruce Almighty, when oh, yeah. he, he's <laughs> on the Maid of the Mist, Maiden of the Mist voyage. I was working in television back then or whatever, and he's doing this live stand-up at the, at the water and shit, and he finds out that Steve Carell got his job. <laughs> he's like, back to you, effers. <laughs> I almost spit my coffee out. I was left. Anyways, yeah, so back to me. Uh, we have two main stories that we're going to talk about today. And we'll do the, I guess we could talk about the first one. Everyone knows about the officer who mocked LeBron James. I found it hilarious. I wish I, I would have thought, I would have, wish I would have thought about it first. I've seen multiple officers do that from all over the United States. And how somehow this guy, Nate Sylvester, lost his job. So I'm sure everyone knows the video I'm talking about. Dispatch, I've arrived at that disturbance. We have LeBron call my cell phone right away, please. Thank you. Excuse me, sir. Excuse me. No, can you put the knife down, please, sir? Sir, no, 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 sir, don't stab him. No, no, stop stabbing. Stop. Oh, hold on. Hold on. It's LeBron. And a couple of things. As soon as I saw it, I laughed my ass off, and I shared it about 100 times. And then I thought, man, this guy's in full uniform, right? <laughs> full uniform, not hiding a name or Nothing. patch, or maybe someone can guess what department he works for. I don't know. And now I, now you know why he should be doing that stuff. Was he in a and squad car? He was in his squad car, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. and this is why I referred to him as a dum dum. <laughs> that yeah. might ruin our chances of having him on the show. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care. I call him a dum dum. Dum dum one gum gum. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And my question would be, what did you expect? What did you think was going to happen? You thought that this, like you were going to be able to go there, full uniform, not high, name out there for the world to see, patch out there for the world to see. In a police car, whether it's a take-home car or not, you did it off-duty or not, you're still representing your department. And most, if not all, departments have some sort of social media policy mm -hmm. that says, hey, maybe don't do this crap. Because if you do something stupid in a uniform, now we got to answer questions about it. And then from what I understand, like this was not his first policy violation. It's just kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah. I mean, I, and I'm like you. I thought it was absolutely hilarious. And I, I, I shared it a bunch too. Like you, you guys got to look at this. This is absolutely amazing. But yeah, what you think was going to happen? Like you thought you were just going to be able to do this, and like nobody was going to find out. You know, he was making a statement to LeBron James about LeBron James' idiotic statement or tweet when they singled out the officer and said, "You're next." He did, LeBron James. Yeah, that bothered yeah. me. So that bothered me a lot. Um, okay, good. Because it basically put a crosshair on that officer's back, and without any re without any basic information about what actually happened, it, it was just a white police officer shot and killed a black female. He needs to like he's next. You're next. Is, is that what he said? You're next. Yeah, and I was like, like next, <sighs> and then like hashtag accountability. Account exactly. Uh, like, and then he it, removed the it, tweet. Yeah, because he was getting hammered for it because that officer saved another black life. Right. So, it, and and we addressed it on this show where I openly said, LeBron, come come ride with me. But there's there's different ways of doing it 
And I think the way he presented that was not the best. But either way, even if you're just being satirical, like maybe don't lump your organization into it. Like you can go out and cover that stuff up or get like a... Well, like Mike the Cap. If you're really committed to it. Right. You know who Mike the Cap is on Facebook and Instagram? He's actually got a podcast coming out called Cop Talk. Of course. I don't know what kind of police officer he was or how long he was a police officer. Because he's been doing social media for so long. I don't know if he retired and then started doing it or whatever. But he wears the generic dime store plastic badge in his videos. You know what I mean? He has a special kind made up for that organization, Humanize the Badge. If you look at all the all those officers that kind of do that same thing, if you if you really look at the badge, they all say humanize the badge. They're all a part of that, and they all kind of like cross promote in each other's videos. Like uh, Deputy Hookem and Bookem, they're a part of it too. Uh, there's another female officer, I forget her name, but they they present it in a generic sense. Same thing with like Officer Daniels. They all do it in a generic sense. They don't do a specific agency, and that's where you get into trouble because now right now people can go, well, you're speaking on behalf of this specific police department. Right. He says he'd do it all over again. <laughs> Apparently he hasn't learned. <laughs> I mean, again, dumb, dumb. I mean, uh, I mean, unless you were more concerned with becoming famous and attention-seeking, like, if you truly cared about being a cop, like, I don't think you would do it again. I think you would, the message, like, that's the way I would kind of, like, yeah, my message is still the same. But I would maybe present it differently because now he's he's acting like I didn't do anything wrong. Nothing I did was wrong. He could have just sat in his own personal car. Yeah. Take taken off his badge and done the same video. And it, and he's fine. He, he'd probably still be working. Yeah. Because I don't think if you're just in plain clothes pretending to be in a squad car that your department could do anything to you. I, th- I, don't I think, think it would be tougher. I, I think it would depend on the policy. Like in the military, um, I've seen discipline – doled out for Facebook posts. Uh, granted, that person was not by name, but uh, alluding to one of his supervisors and basically called him out. The stupid thing was, it was a friend of mine, and I was friends with the supervisor as well. They were both friends on Facebook, so his supervisor saw it and then doled out paperwork, and he's like, what happened? I'm like, what the hell did you think? Was it what, you thought he wasn't going to see it? <laughs> Yeah, I don't understand so, that thinking. So you can be held responsible, depending on the policies of your of your agency, for what you put out on the internet. Just like me, like if I put out something questionable, I could be held, you know, responsible at work. We've had officers actually terminated for some things that they tweeted out, and then they ended up getting their job back through like an arbitration hearing. But they're but they're, no one wants to go out on that. the street since. They have not been. I mean, we. No. We've gotten tons of warnings recently with post January 6th with the kind of like extremism training that the Navy's mm-hmm. and military generals been going through because there's a Marine Corps major, he's an 04 that breached the Capitol, you know, with the mob. So, I mean, you know, you're accountable. If you're off duty, you're still representing your department. Uh, if you can be identified, you're, you know, they can look at your Facebook posts, your likes, your pages that you follow and, and those are all indicators for certain behaviors. Yeah, I don't have a, a... an officer in Fresno, California. Uh, he was recently terminated. He had a bunch of pictures that associated him with the uh, Proud Boys, uh, and then that got brought to light. And it was a very quick investigation. And it's kind of funny. 
the current mayor of Fresno is their former police chief, and he terminated him. Like he was like, nope, I don't care. He's gone. And then their their new chief co-signer was like, yeah, that's we're pretty not okay with that. Well, I think they had the wow. issue up in Washington about one of the police officers that had the I think it was a three percent or one percenters. What's the the term for that? But it was like tied to a white supremacist organization in one way yeah. or another. And uh, he was wearing the patch, I think, out of like back the badge kind of mentality. But yeah. si- since it was an image that was used in other organizations um, for a negative cause, I think he got fired for that. So, yeah, and, and it's amazing what what things are uh i guess prohibited now like i i think it was around christmas time i had someone send me my own post on instagram of a blue line flag and instagram censored it instagram I, I don't, censored a blue line post yeah so the person sent it to me sent my sent me a picture of my own post wanting to order a similar oh. flag okay and instagram like censored it and I had to go through like three different layers just to view the the photo now i don't know if it was because they didn't or I didn't follow them or they didn't follow me or something like that. Hmm. I, I don't know if maybe that's what triggered it, but I had uh, like a picture of one of my blue line flags, like censored to myself. <laughs> that's ridiculous. That's what I thought. But Facebook and Instagram, you know, Instagram owned by Facebook, they tend to censor quite a bit of shit that they shouldn't yeah. be. And my uncle posted a picture of a Studebaker and was in Facebook jail for 10 days. No, 30 days. A Studebaker, Jeez. a 1955 Studebaker. Well, I mean, it's a pretty offensive car. Let's apparently let's be something in the photo that my 78 year old uncle took took a picture of. <laughs> they sent they, he was in Facebook jail for 30 days. It's crazy. I saw a picture of a 96 white Bronco, and that wasn't censored. <laughs> Gee, <laughs> was it the one that had the license plate that says "Not OJ"? I think That's there was hilarious. one for sale in the area, and it yeah. said like white gloves do, do not come with it or something like that. Yeah. Oh my god! Well, it's like uh, a couple of years ago there there was this whole like scandal in the military where I guess some officers that had just graduated some sort of school. I, I think it was one of the one of the service academies were throwing up the upside down okay. Oh yeah, that was misinterpreted as being white power when anybody who's been in the military or even knows people is it's a it's a game (laughs) it's a stupid game that we all play to have you look like below someone's waist i'm like oh you're gazing at someone's junk and like you like get to hit them in the arm but if you are able to quickly get your finger inside of the hole like you get to punch them or something (laughs) like it's it's an insanely stupid juvenile game that we all play Okay. That was completely misinterpreted and then perpetuated by like all these major news outlets of like look at I remember that supremacists in the military. Right. Yeah. And everybody in the military was dying laughing of just how stupid these people are. Uh, we're surrounded Is that by game stupidity. still being played, Brian? I don't know. I it was one of the, I think I think we did it in like college. Which but... is how long ago for you? How long ago was it for you? Today. <laughs> I guess today is still college. <laughs> um, well, if like, you figure most of your junior enlisted guys are like college age, so it kind of fits. Uh, so let's see, 2018 I graduated. So three years ago, three and a half years okay. ago. But I mean, yeah, you only did it so you could punch your buddy twice or whatever. If they didn't <laughs> yeah. like, like that's the I've only never, reason people played it. Yeah. I never, it, I never heard that game or played that game. It was just stupid. This in Mexico is like, that that same thing, but down in Mexico is like huevos, like eggs, balls, 
Oh. Oh. It's, a, it's an insult <laughs> if you do that oh. to someone. Yeah. Well, that, so. that explains a lot. If you get punched down there for doing it, it's not because they're playing a game. It's because you insulted them. Yeah, I was really confused. I'm like, you guys are doing this wrong. Yeah. All right, so that guy's a boob, right? Yeah, well, I mean, hey, he got a book deal out of it, so, I mean, good for him. Hey, I won't buy it. I won't either. But, hey, I mean, he's probably going to get a nice little advance check from the publisher. It is called Never Off Duty. Ironic. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Very ironic. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say it again. Dumb dumb. <laughs> dumb dumb. All right, second story is now closer to home for you again. Yeah, I'm getting tired of that. <laughs> we're we're gonna talk about ghost guns. And I'm gonna be honest with you, I didn't know anything about ghost guns until this story. Yeah. And so Basically, what a ghost gun is, is it's unserialized, it's impossible to track, and you're able to buy the, like, you're able to buy components for firearms, like, online. Like, if you have, like, a trigger assembly that went down, like, you can, you can go buy one. And then they sell, like, 80% assembled, like, lower receivers for different styles of guns, and all you gotta do is find a slide, or, like, if it's a pistol, just find a slide that fits it. And the nice thing about Glock is a lot of things are interchangeable as long as they're kind of like the same size. So like your subcompacts match up with your subcompacts, your full size match with your full size. But the it's, it's insanely easy for people to get their hands on these things in these states with stricter gun laws, like in California. And then you come you combine that with these extended magazines, like in California, uh, you're only allowed to have like a 10 round magazine, right? Well, in Nevada, which is like a stone's throw away, there like basically are no regulations. You can just go over there buy like a fifteen round mag. You can buy a hundred round drum magazine, and be good to go. And then you just like toss in your car like in the trunk and just drive back to California. And hmm. hey, I I beat the system. And I'm not like breaking the fourth wall here for anybody. Like it's it takes you know literally anybody with a pulse to f- be able to put those pieces together. So. Uh, at least for us, I would say 90% of the guns that we take off of the street are ghost guns. They have no serialized, like they're not stamped with any kind of labeling, no serial numbers, anything. Uh, the other ha- the other 10%, I would say, are stolen. Like every now and then, you'll come across somebody that actually has their gun registered to them, but they're carrying it illegally, like in their car with a bunch of dope. You're not supposed to do that. Kind of write write a note. Not supposed to do that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Write a note. Don't. <laughs> well, that's one of those things. Like you get people like, was I not supposed to do that? Is that not okay? Like, no, idiot. Come here. But yeah, our recent OIS that or officer involved shooting that happened on uh, Monday night, I think it was. The suspect was armed with a ghost gun. He had an extended magazine, and well, I, I think it's pretty much nationwide. Uh, if you've been convicted of a felony or domestic violence, you are now a prohibited person. You're not allowed to purchase a firearm. Just like if you've been convicted of a felony, you're not allowed to vote. You're not allowed to do certain things. By violating some of these laws that we've deemed that egregious, where you're catching a felony charge in up to more than a year in a state prison, we take away some of your civil liberties. Like we we kind of agreed upon that as a country. It's in you know the Constitution. You can go look it up. So are you he's sure already it's still not supposed there? to have a gun. 
I don't know, man. Like it, it's because the criminals are getting more and more rights every day. Well, there and there's bills in the works right now to restore rights to people convicted of felonies, uh, especially the voting rights are, are something that I'm adamantly opposed to because now we're going to start letting people who have no dis or no regard for the law start voting and making decisions on what is and is not law. Which, if you think about it in that context, sounds like a pretty stupid idea. But you know. That's just me. But yeah, no, the, the, these ghost guns are kind of a serious, well, not kind of, they are a serious problem because they're ending up in these neighborhoods and it's, I mean, you see it out in Illinois all the time. It seems like kids are getting shot left and right. Like, thank God it's not happening here so much. Usually the people that are getting shot are, it's gangster on gangster. It's very rarely like some innocent person. But yeah, it, it's, it, and the only way this stuff is going to get better is if we actually start holding people accountable. Like, well, that's one thing. They did say that they were going to start changing the laws which allow those ghost gun parts to be sold, which I found interesting in the article. Yeah, I mean, if you can restrict it, great. But, I mean, there's other ways around it. I mean, you, I think you're going to end up seeing an increase in residential burglaries. And then people are going to have guns stolen. And, I mean, thankfully, it's kind of like a, a love-hate thing I have with kind of the way California does it because when you buy a gun it's registered with California's Department of Justice so that serial number of that gun is tied to you so if you lose it you can say hey I lost my like Glock 19 uh, right. here's a serial number for it it goes into a system is stolen so if somebody gets stopped with that gun officer runs that serial number through the national database it'll come back as stolen and we can at least start tracking some of this stuff and it's nice to know as a police officer, when I'm rolling up to a house, if there's a weapon alleged to be involved, I can ask them to run that person to see if there are any firearms registered to them, which is helpful. But at the same time, the hmm. gun owner side of me is like, it's none of your damn business how many guns I have. Right. So I just I, flew I home from Idaho with three. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Uh, no, I didn't. Yeah. I mean. No. I don't have the, three extra weapons in my house. Dang it, Mike. <laughs> no but one's yeah, listening I mean, to this damn podcast yeah. anyways. Who's going to know? But like when I when I lived in North Dakota, this was seriously the process to buy a handgun. I walked into the gun store. I said, hello, good sir. I would like to purchase <laughs> this Glock 19. And he said, outstanding, my good fellow. Uh, give me your name, all that stuff. Let me make sure you're not a prohibited person. Took about 30 seconds. Nice. Goes, would you also like a 50, an extra 15-round magazine? Because it only comes with two. And I said, yes. And I walked out of there. Wow. It took about an hour, but that's because I knew a bunch of the guys that worked there. So I was just BSing with them for a good half hour. <laughs> so I was in and out in like a half hour. Yeah, here Some in Illinois. It's insanely easy. And we have to have what's you called. Have to wait 10 days. Okay. We have a FOID card, which is a firearms owner identification card in Illinois. It's bullshit. But, anyways, you have to have a FOID first of all, and then you can't buy ammo without your FOID and you can't buy a weapon without a FOID and you can't look at a gun unless you have a FOID. And then there's, of course, the, I think it's the 72-hour. If I just go in as a civilian, even though I'm still a police officer, but I want to go buy a gun, I have to do the whole 72-hour hold background check thing before I can walk out. If I go in the very next day with a letter from my chief, I can walk out that day with a gun. Yeah, kind of the same thing for us. So in California, it's a 10-day uh, cool-off period. Okay. 
unless I have a letter from my chief that says like, yeah, no, he's not insane. Right. I'm going to do yeah. something stupid. Give like, him the gun Like now. he would know. He doesn't even know you. Yeah. You have 1,100 officers in your department. So he has it, no idea who you are. Is that the rationale behind it, the waiting period? If someone's like, hey, I just got laid off. I need to go buy a gun and, and go into my office and, and That's a good shoot point, somebody. Is that, is that what yeah. that period is for? So like, yeah. So, oh, so let me the, take a deep breath. Three days, and then hopefully, yeah. hopefully, hope to God that that person cools down and and doesn't. Do and that. he had sold his samurai sword prior to actually trying to <laughs> yeah. buy a gun, so, so now yeah, he has so, no so weapons. Yeah, so that's the intention behind it is to keep somebody from making that rash decision of like, it's basically to try to prevent what happened at the VTA, it, like in the heat of the moment kind of thing. You, you can't. I mean, we talked about it at the last show. You can't, you know, legislate hate and and prevent everything, but something like that it that's the design behind it i think it's kind of dumb because if you're pissed off on day one you're probably still going to be pissed off on day 10 if not more so because you've had time to sit in it and stew but and pay I, bills I, I at least and do other things yeah. that you know might might build that anger yeah so like i i totally understand the thought behind it i just disagree with it and, and that's usually all I ever hope for is like, if you're going to do something that I disagree with, at least make it to where I can understand it. Right. And I mean, in terms of a data background standpoint, like, you don't you don't know how many, you know, office shootings that prevents because there's no data on it. It doesn't happen. So, exactly. it, you know, you just don't know. So you just hope that it works. Yeah. There, there's nobody walking around going like, you know what? I, when I went to go get this gun, I 100% was going to go shoot up my old workplace, but you know what? Right now, I feel a lot better, lot, in a lot better place. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll take, I'll, take, I'll take the refund, and I'll be on my way. It'd be nice if we could somehow quantify that stuff, but I can't say that California is really doing all that great with it because we, we have a gun violence problem in California, So, and it's supposed we to be don't. really hard to get a gun in this state. Oh, wait. Chicago's like... The worst place. Chicago is like gun worse than Iraq or Afghanistan, dude. Chirac, baby. Uh, yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> I don't even. I don't go into the city unless I have two weapons on me. So I wouldn't I, go in there unless that's I not had even a lie. hard armor. It it sucks because I like I love to see my white socks, you know. And then you gotta drive to the south side, and I, I can't bring a weapon. You can bring a weapon, and you have to check it with security and go. It's just a big pain in the ass, and I'm certainly not leaving see, it in my car. Yeah, see, so. I can't even take my off-duty weapon inside of, like, say, Oracle Park where the Giants play, like in San Francisco. And I think I think the state pretty much as a whole has adopted it, that you can't take a firearm in, into those places. And now they have metal detectors, so it's, it's one of the things I can't even yeah. sneak it in. Not even for law enforcement where they go. Nope. Like if I go to a concert a no -go. or anything and I bring my weapon to an arena, I just see security, show my badge. They bring me to the uh, where they lock up their weapons. And I go after the show, get my weapon and go. Yeah. No. So. It's like I'm kind of like having like semi-anxiety because the night before we take off on our vacation, right. we're going to stay the night in in the city. And because I can't take the gun with me on the plane or where we're going. Yes, you can. Well, I can, but you I got to declare a crap ton of paperwork. And no, not at all. For, no, I just got to declare. I just flew. Well, and then I, I got to make sure that that where I'm going is going to honor my law enforcement right to carry in California, which like every state. Hold is on so a weird. second. It's like it's one of those I'm, I almost don't want to deal with it. Your the House bill that President Bush signed 
covers every police officer in the United States to carry in every state. All right. You have the right to carry in every state. It's not a state law that can stop you. It's a federal law. So if you want to, all you do when you go to the airport is declare. It's got to be in a TSA-approved double-locked case, and you have the key, or it's got to help you. Code combination. Thanks, Brian. A combination. (laughs) I just flew home with three guns from Idaho. It's like you understood the whole like sign language thing. (laughs) It's easy. You just declare it. I got a weapon in there. Oh, okay. They put it aside. They call over the TSA agent. They open it behind the uh, counter where you're standing. You have to, you can't go near them. They look at the lock. They unlock it because they have a key. If you have a TSA-approved lock, they look at the firearm, make sure it's unloaded, and the ammo's not with it, and then you have the key or you don't, and it gets put back in your suitcase, and then it flies, and then you pick it up when you get back to your destination. <laughs> it's really – I was scared to do it, and now I've done it, I think, four times. What? Well, I think the other th- part for me is that I'm going to be consuming a lot of adult beverages. Well, yeah, and then you don't I refu- want to And I refuse to carry it with me if I'm going to have even one beer or one drink or something right. like that. Just, of course. Just pure safety reason. So it's one of those, like, it's going to sit in the hotel primarily anyways. In the safe. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, so. ghost guns, bad. Yes. I haven't Very seen bad. any, but we just see go- we see guns with serial numbers, you know, ground down. Yeah, well, that's the old school so, way. Yeah, well, our criminals aren't that smart to buy a ghost gun. They're all idiots. Well, you got to put it together. You can't just buy the whole thing. you got to buy parts. Right. They don't know anything. They can't pass second grade, for fuck's sake. <laughs> all right. Oh, I'm sorry. I said the F word. Oh, man. Uh, only one. That one only listener one so is going to be pissed. Yeah, that's okay. I still love them. All right, so what we're going to do now, Brian, is we... Read off the names of the officers who lost their lives in this past week. And thank goodness there are only two this week. First up, Police Officer Gennaro New, Phoenix Police Department, Phoenix, Arizona. End of watch was Monday, May 31st, 2021. Police Officer Gennaro New was killed in an automobile crash at the intersection of Cave Creek Road and East Greenway Parkway at about 10.30 p.m. His patrol car was struck by another vehicle that ran a red light at a high rate of speed. He is survived by his wife, mother, brother, and grandmother and had served with the Phoenix Police Department for two years and was assigned to the Black Mountain Precinct. The second officer is Bernardino County Sheriff's Department in California, Sergeant Dominic, I think it's Vaca or Vaca. It's V-A-C-A. I think it's Vaca. I'm going to say Vaca. Okay. Sergeant Vaca. Sergeant Dominic Vaca was shot and killed following a vehicle pursuit of a motorcycle in Yucca Valley at about 2 p.m. Deputies were conducting enforcement operations for off-highway vehicle violations when they attempted to stop the motorcycle near Paxton Road and Imperial Drive for having no license plate. The driver abandoned the motorcycle near Demosa Avenue and Sunny Slope Drive and set up an ambush for responding deputies. As the deputies approached, 
the motorcycle, the subject opened fire on them, fatally wounding Sergeant Vaca. Other deputies returned fire and killed the subject. Sergeant Vaca was flown to a trauma center where he died a short time later. He served for 17 years. Now, we have Heroes of the Week, and the heroes that I found this week, two of them, actually I think three of them, were from last week. But because we had you guys responding and all being heroes last week, we saved these to this week. So two, about a week and a half ago, two Austin, Texas police officers responded to a vehicle fire, and they pulled some people out of the burning vehicle. That would be Officer Chandler Carrera and Eddie Pineda. So congratulations to those two officers. And then we have an Ocala officer. Ocala? Ocala? Uh, uh, we have a street this one. called Ocala, so that's that's what I would okay. call it. Ocala. <laughs> it's the same spelling. Florida County, I think. Yeah, and like near Orlando. Yeah. Uh, the officer kicked in a door of a house that was on fire to save a woman and her puppy. I kicked uh, that one. I kicked doors down. I have a door kicking down story. We went on a call for two shitbags that were fighting, and they were fighting outside in the parking lot. And by the time we got there, one of the shitbags went upstairs to the apartment and was yelling at us from his apartment window down at us, calling us names and stuff. So we said, stay right there. We're coming up by you. And we went upstairs, and we're knocking on the door. And he's like, fuck you. I'm not opening the door. And I looked at my boss. I go, can I kick the door? And he goes, yeah, I kicked the door. So I mule kicked this door, <laughs> you know, backwards, right? Blast the door off the hinges. It falls into the apartment against the wall on the other side. And then we have to climb in over the doors and there's nothing but porn there's two mattresses on the floor <laughs> porn everywhere it was horrendous and then my friend went home and told his girlfriend that he was the one that kicked in the door so well, yeah he took he took credit for the door kicking in anyways you absolutely so. do that i let him he's he's had well, that yeah. for 15 years now but i just outed him on on the radio <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then we have another one more hero here. Watertown Police Sergeant Jeffrey Puglisi. This is in, near Boston. He retired on Monday after more than 41 years on the force. And the reason I have him listed on this list, and he's a hero to me, is because this is the guy who caught one of the bombers at the Boston bomber. They were in a gunfight approximately six feet from each other when that guy's gun jammed or something. And this officer thought he ran out of ammo, so he jumped the fence and tackled him. It was fantastic. Yeah. So he's my, I had to add him, even though he's now retired. Oh, yeah. So, and, and I'm going to give him the badass of the decade. He's the badass of the decade, <laughs> not of the day or the week. Sergeant yeah, I mean, Jeffrey P Pugliese, badass of the decade. He gets a bigger plaque. He I don't know where the whole to send it. Year, five. Yeah. <laughs> he skipped a lot on that right. one. <laughs> yeah, he's jumping right ahead in the line. So, all right. Oh, and we don't have a question of the week. No, but no, but we did get an email. And I think I called. I was, that we were going to get at least one. 
You did, yes. And I want to just give a shout out to my friend Pat because Patrick Quinn, Pat lives in the town where I police. And okay. his wife, Sharon, was a waitress at the restaurant that we've gone to for like 30 years, right? Used to, Sharon retired. I loved sitting there for breakfast or she would get mad. I would go there to buy cereal. <laughs> She'd be like, Mike, it's like four effing dollars for one of those small boxes the size of my phone, you know, for cereal. And she'd get, you, I'm not going to sell you cereal for $4. You got to get something else. Anyways, uh, her husband, Patrick, who was a firefighter, he wanted to say, Brandon and Mike, I enjoyed this podcast the last one that you spoke about, Brandon with the shooter. And Brandon, happy that you are able to talk about the ordeal you went through. I believe it is better to talk about it than keep it inside. I worked the fireside of Mike's town, so I understand. You all be safe out there, Pat Quinn. So thank you, Pat, for the email. Yeah, so that's that's something I've kind of found, too. Like, I've, I've tried to talk about it a little bit this week uh, with friends, uh, other people I work with. And it, it, it does help kind of process it. Like there, there's still going to be moments where you have um, kind of like emotions just kind of come over you a little bit. Uh, it is happening less and less to me. I am sleeping better than I had the first couple of nights after. Good. Um, but yeah, talking, talking about it does help. So good. All right. So on to the uh, woodworking part and we have a star with us. <laughs> <laughs> An internet uh, comedian too. Your police officer, a podcaster, woodworker, and a comedian. Add that to your yeah, yeah, list. comedian. Yeah, I'm really funny. Uh, so my buddy Brian Luke, uh, Brian and I met through Instagram. I've I've secured a number of friends on the, my friends at work say, "How are your internet friends?" And then they do the whole air quote thing, and I'm like, "Hey man, some of these internet friends are actually my really good friends." And Brian's one of them. So uh, it's been almost I've probably close it. to two years now that we've yeah. been uh, kind of chatting back and right. forth. When we first met, you were dating oh, wow. someone that lived ne- near where in, I work. Uh, Elmwood Park. Yep. Elmwood Park, right. So uh, you were actually going to come and visit me when you're coming into town. And we started chatting about that. And uh, I've been a big fan of your work ever since. I just, here's what I love about your page Dogwood Custom Builds on Instagram. You make me laugh every day. First of all, you make some amazing stuff. The tables, the the work that you do is fantastic. But I love when you show things that don't go right. You know, and you just, you were at your planer, I mean your jointer yesterday, was it? And it was clogged (laughs) and you didn't know what the hell was. Why isn't this shit coming out? And you didn't have the hose hooked up. I, I do that a lot and I can relate to you like my brother. And I just love watching your stuff and wa- looking at your work. It's fantastic. There's too much. And I just there's too many perfect uh, woodworkers out there to me. People that just either they just don't show the mistakes or they just maybe have made all their mistakes and they don't make them anymore. I don't think I'll ever get to that point on either I of those. But I don't know. It's I don't know. When I first started, I was always overwhelmed by people with all this perfect, all of these perfect builds and amazing looking shops. And to me, that's just not a reality. You know, I make mistakes all the time. I finally 
have orders coming in all the time and I'm able to like invest in tools and whatnot, but I have a dust collector and a nice joiner, but I still don't hook them up together. So, you know, there's, and, and there's sometimes where you can be like, Oh, I don't want to show that. I don't want people to think I'm a, a novice or a rookie. I don't care. First of <laughs> all, yeah, no one thinks that. Right. Well, but yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's fun and you just got to keep it light. Cause and especially in your guys' profession, there's too much negativity in the world to harp on that. And just to, I don't know. It's I think just, that's why fun. I'm so drawn to you as a friend and a person. Just yeah, you personally as a person, you're such so down to earth and such a great person. And the fact that you can let your guard down for everyone else to see that you are human and we make mistakes and, and when mistakes. we're doing this woodworking. <laughs> yeah. Just to, you know, you're more real than a lot of other people. Oh, there. So. Yeah, I appreciate you're that. Totally relatable. I, I appreciate that because I try to be as transparent as possible. So if I see something that's dumb that happens in the shop or funny or that, I'll share it. Like, I don't care. You know, if people don't like it, they can unfollow me. It's right. not a, it's not an airport. They don't have to announce their departure like they often <laughs> yeah. do on my posts. <laughs> right. Like that's oh, nice. this I did the one of the Ronald Reagan shirt that I was like drinking beer, listening to an America song, and someone's yeah. like, "This is dumb. Unfollowed." And I said, like, see ya. <laughs> right, bye. <laughs> we don't care. And you had messaged me right after, I think we were talking about Brandon getting in trouble for wearing sandals in his shop. And I mentioned, yeah. I said, Brian's always getting in trouble from people by wearing sandals in his shop because you have sandal flip-flops on all the time or whatever the hell you're wearing in your shop. Jerusalem and always... Cruisers, the two strappers. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Well, I also well, like, I got reposted by Grizzly, which was a huge deal for me because they're a big they're a big account. Yeah, and uh, right. someone commented, "All these young guys wearing stupid shoes, probably a weekend warrior rookie or something." It's like, well, number one, I, I am a weekend warrior. This is not my <laughs> full time gig. Number two, right. I haven't dropped anything on my toes yet in <laughs> shoes, boots, steel toe boots, or flip flops. So right, it doesn't really make a big difference to me, but. Say what you want to say, and uh, people will, uh, you know, do what you want to do, yeah, and people are always going to criticize you every step of the way. But right, no matter what. So yeah, keep anytime staying anyone looks like they're having yourself. fun or or enjoying themselves, you have to have people come in and try to poo-poo on the parade. <laughs> Got to knock them down a notch. Yeah. So I, was, I forget which uh, who I was talking to about it, uh, but we actually came up with something that we're actually okay with with uh, defunding the shop police <laughs> because it, no matter. <laughs> No matter how well something turns out or what you're doing, inevitably there will be that one person of that will be like, "Oh, you shouldn't. Uh, you're you're using an improper technique with those uh, push sticks or the push block, and uh, what you're doing is unsafe, and you have a moral responsibility." I'm like, dude, shut up. Well, I did that on my table saw a couple weeks ago. I was ripping a huge piece of plywood on my table saw, which I don't like doing. I like getting the track saw out, and. In my comment or in my caption of the post, I said, I don't like cutting plywood like this, but I didn't want to break out the track saw. And someone commented, that's so dumb. You should break out a track saw. And I was like, did you read the caption? I did not want to <laughs> right. do that. I wanted one cut. The 220 was hooked up and I was doing it and getting it over with. And people are just so quick to that. It's almost like the instant gratification. They see something and then before they even look into it or read it they just want to go on the offensive so relatable yeah, again to your those, guys's profession the, yeah the negativity yeah. of it someone has to be the negative side smile and that's wave. why yep 
smile and wave. And that's why I got into Instagram was because I don't see a lot of the the nice stuff in the job we do. So I wanted to meet people that have similar goals and ideas and likes and stuff and learn from a community that shares as much as our community does. And it's it's a nice release for me. So how did how did you start woodworking? What what drove you to that? I mean, I was w- raised pretty like white collar. I, my parents are both accountants, but we always like if the toilet wasn't working right, we didn't call a plumber. We my dad and I would look at it, we take it apart, and we fix it. So parents raised us just to be handy and to kind of fix things when you could. And in high school, we were getting our kitchen remodeled, and I was basically sitting on a stool in the kitchen just watching, you know, the electricians and the framers and the cabinet makers, just, just watching and probably being annoying to them. They probably didn't like it because I don't like being watched when I work <laughs> and just enjoying and my, my parents, I think they knew the contractor or the general contractor and were like, Hey, do you have a summer job spot? He's really interested. He's handy. I don't know if you can, the viewers or the listeners can't tell, but you know, I'm pretty, pretty strong. Got some big muscles and you know, can do <laughs> can do a lot of stuff (laughs) no but like i'm a hard worker wrestled played rugby all that kind of stuff and they said um yeah come during spring break in high school and if it works out we'll bring it back in the summer and i worked there and through college and slowly kind of got into instagram pinterest oh i got a circular saw i can do that and just rolled with it so and now it's a you know biggest hobby i've got going for me yeah, it's a business, really. It is. Not much a hobby at, at anymore. At what point You've did it go from? Do. Yeah, at what point did you go from kind of hobby to going? Hey, I might be able to make like a little a little side cash for this. I, I would say in the last year, it really turned from oh, just hobby making a cutting board for a friend and discounted price and this and that to my friends asking me for a table, and instead of. I'm just throwing out random numbers. Instead of like a $1,500 table, I give it to you for like 14. I'm not going to give you it for at cost. Like I'm, my time is very valuable now, especially starting up like a master's. And people want tables. They want their their new furniture, and they don't want to buy it often from IKEA, especially in my area. It's very high. Uh, lot, there's a lot of money in my you area. You live, you live by rich people. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's like, a very wealthy like area. Really rich people. And people. People don't want the Ikea furniture, the Walmart furniture. And uh, I'm actually in a consignment shop in Carmel, which is another very rich city right by Monterey. Clint Eastwood was the mayor. Yeah, he was. He He also owns the uh, golf course, part of the golf course. And I don't know what I said. One of the lazy Susans I made when I was running it on the flush trim bit to clean the edges, it kind of chipped off a chunk. I was like, hey, I don't think I can like give this to you. And she goes, we're an artisan shop. We like the character. I was like, well, that's not how hmm. I normally operate. And right. and then she wanted like pallet wood projects and stuff. And I'm like, you're in one of the richest areas of the country. <laughs> and I'm going behind Kelly Moore paints and taking apart pallets so I can make stuff that's for hilarious. you. I think when I got to Monterey, it, it opened me up to being a business as opposed to just Joe Schmo in his garage. Who paid for all of your machines to be moved? The military did that? No. So everything in my garage, other than drills and some small stuff, was all purchased since I got here last year. 
I forgot. So customers paid for them. Yeah, uh, yeah, (laughs) Yeah. right. All those big-ass tools you got. Thank God you didn't have to move them out there. Well, next March I graduate, and it's either Houston, Texas, or uh, Millington, Tennessee, which is the Memphis area. Uh, I'm going to rent a pod and just move it all myself. Okay. I, okay, so I don't trust do like a Diddy move. Yep. I, I don't trust the government movers. I had a bunch of things break and my Navy sword that has my name engraved on it is just missing. Oh, no. And I couldn't what? get anything for it. So, um, oh my God. I'd so, be pretty miserable. Jeez. And it's not like it's a, it's not a 5,000, it's a $700 sword, but it's the principle of the matter. Yeah. That it, I'm just it, like, right. against and, and it. it's what it represents. Yeah. Too. Right. So, exactly. Uh, Holy moly. So all those tools are going to get moved by yours truly. <laughs> wow. Although my brother offered to drive up from San Diego and my dad, his thing is driving with us when we move. So he's like, I'll fly in, awesome. help you load up anything, and then we'll drive across the country. So Okay. I can cool. say, if you need a hand loading up that pod, I'm Come like on 40, down. 45 minutes away. I'm thinking about getting rid of one of my big workbenches. So. <laughs> wow. So... That's next March, right? Yes, March, April. How long May, is your master's program that you're in? Seven quarters. Was that 21 months? 21 months. Okay. So it'll I... be 24 because I was in a, a different degree. Um, okay. And they quick, quickly realized that I didn't know what coding was uh, and they switched okay. me. So right. uh, it'll be 21 months for this degree, 24 total. So, as someone who completed their master's just a few years ago, what I don't know how yours is set up, but what's your thesis? So I actually just hit that last week. Okay. It's about performance evaluations for our enlisted sailors. Okay. Brandon, I don't know what the Air Forces look like, but there are seven traits on the navies, and it's like mission accomplishment. You get a score one to five, and there's like, I don't know what I don't I don't even know what all of them I th- I think are. For, I think for Air Force we had like five of them. It's basically a, a yearly review that goes over like how your how you did, what you did for your job, what you did outside of your job, how your fitness was, all these other things that are supposed to paint a picture of the well-rounded, you know, airman, soldier, marine, sailor, all that stuff. Guardian, which got a for- Space yeah. Force. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yep. Space Force. What are they called? I want to Guardians. do Space Force. Guardians? That's awesome. If, Guardians of the Galaxy. That, if, they, if they open up like a door, uh, space shuttle door gunner, I'm going back in. <laughs> but the the Navy's is pretty inadequate, and the system they use is inadequate. It was designed okay. like 26 years ago. So they're rolling out one with 48 traits, which is a lot. Wow. And superiors are going to have to fill out a lot of information. <laughs> wow. Um, but the thesis Good I'm working God. on is superiors are going to fill out the new one and the old one and the subordinates are going to rate themselves on the new one and hmm. we're going to use rank order correlation and some other some other kind of metrics things that i don't even know yet to see which statements are less indicative of promotion so like if you mike if you rate yourself really high on performance and i rate you really low like maybe this one isn't a good indicator of what you're actually doing kind of thing right yeah so we're going to try to whittle that down from 48 and then as a human resources officer we have to look at how that applies to protected groups in terms of equal opportunities so maybe a bunch of like hispanic service members are getting rated really low on like mission accomplishment so is that because they're hispanics we're kind of looking at 
uh, some of the other aspects. And then if that's the case, uh, those will get removed. Wow. And we're going to end up with seven again, probably. Yeah. <laughs> Back to seven. <laughs> just, just to let you know from the enlisted side, uh, your subordinates are already filling those things out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They're writing it, and then the NCO just goes, all right, I'm going to polish this turd up so that I can uh, send it on up the chain. Yeah, so that's that's the gist of it. I think it'll okay. be a little more in-depth. Do they have a page limit for yours? I had to have like a minimum of 100 pages. No, I, th- I think they say your advisors will love you if it's a 30-page thesis. Um, oh, get out of town. That's like, a chapter. Most of most of them are 30 to 80 about in terms of the ones okay. I've read. And that's kind of the cool. sweet spot. Some of the longer engineering ones are 100 plus but okay yeah i'm a school nerd i I loved school and i wanted to continue but then i the only thing next for me is a doctorate and i don't have 20 grand (laughs) or time add that to the list hey man it it took me 15 years to finish my bachelor's degree and i'm done well i was pretty done and then i'm now i'm here and it's like after this i'm done and uh it'll be all good and pretty soon you're gonna be a doctor (laughs) yeah one of my friends at work, his father is actually a doctor. And I told like him, hey, I'm going to get my doctorate. Yeah, like a yeah, medical doctor. doctor. No, a medical doctor. And then I told him, hey, when I graduated with my master's, I'm like, I'm going to go get my doctorate. And you're going to have to call me Dr. Mike. And he's like, F you. I'm not ever calling you Dr. Mike. If you don't <laughs> stick your your hands in people, you're not a doctor. And I said, no, you're going to have to call me Dr. Mike. So why did you join Instagram? I think I had a, the personal page and this is kind of fun somewhere to showcase final products. And I just okay. created the the business side, which I think was dogwood designs when I started. Okay. And I made the logo on PowerPoint with like copy and paste other like stock images. Yeah. And it worked for a while. That was it. There was no like great drive to to be an influencer or an Instagrammer or anything like that. It was like, Hey, follow some people and show them what I'm making and maybe make some sales. Sales did so not come So you had a plan early. right off the bat. Yeah. I mean, very loosely, I kind of knew what I wanted yeah. it to be. I didn't want it to, to be like an influencer kind of thing, but I guess like with anything, as time goes on, you know, yeah, you unless kinda... you post at like, unless you work nights and post at odd hours, you, your accounts grow. <laughs> I've been, again, this this last year, I've had a lot of free time because my duty station in Monterey, my, my job is to get a master's. So I'm in class yeah, that's... between two and four hours a day. Right. And that's it. And I have to study. I have to read. I have to prep. Of course. Um, what you're doing is very hard just so people that don't have a master's degree know getting a master's degree is very hard. So the fact Yeah, it that actually you're... takes a, a lot of work. Oh my God! So and that's why so there's I, only like thirteen percent of the population have a master, or whatever. Seventeen percent now, I think it's up there, but it's amazing. Yeah. So, so Mike printed out a bunch of questions, but there's one on here <laughs> that he wouldn't even think to ask because he has no knowledge of Monterey and that area. My question, my my main question, I've asked it to you before, but I got to know now: Have you been to Reds yet? No, donuts, I've been to Monterey Donuts. Okay. I haven't been. To, it's a good place. Reds is about a quarter mile, half a mile from my house. It it is worth it. So, do you want to tell me what it I, is? I might I might Donut. need to come out there and then just drag you down there. I that's fine. twist my arm to get some donuts. Yeah, I, Mike. <laughs> I, I figured I thought... we can hit the brew the brewery <laughs> just up the street. 
Um, I think there's a, a Reds or some donut place up the street in um, Seaside as well. It might be a, another Reds. I don't know if they have another yeah, well, I, don't, I don't know about that one, but huh. the one in Alvarado, that's the one. You police officers and donuts, man. The stereotype <laughs> holds. I'm telling you. It does. Well, it's because – so, and I actually researched this, and it was really kind of interesting to find out. So the main reason that cops are associated with donuts is – I mean, donut shops open at like 4 in the morning. The only people up open twenty four hours. Cops. <laughs> they're open twenty four hours a well, day. Well, depend, depending on the donut shop, there are some that are open twenty four hours. There are some that open up at four. Right. So usually, the only people up are going to be cops. So they'll go in there. They would go in there to get their coffee or get their sugar high from from all the frosting, and it just. I mean, and plus, I mean, donuts are delicious. I don't know anybody that doesn't like a donut. Unless they're maybe a communist or something. I actually... But uh, we, we really need those anyways. I was taking my parents to the San Jose airport. They were flying out at 6.30 in the morning or 6.15. And it's the first time I'd ever really driven up there. And we didn't know about traffic, TSA lines, whatever. So we got up at 3.30 in the morning, I think. Maybe before 3 o'clock in the morning, I started driving. And we saw a sign for a donut store. But it was like COVID peak in like June or something like that. Oh, yeah. Or when it... when I shouldn't say peak, but when this kind of like scare was was the highest, and they didn't have any donuts because of it. But it's like, oh, I I refused. <laughs> now I've been you know twenty two years on my job, so I never drank coffee at work until about ten years, yeah, about ten years ago, maybe eleven years ago, and I would go to Dunkin' Donuts with friends, and I'd walk in with them, and I'm like. There's no way I'm walking out of here with a donut in my hand in uniform. <laughs> and then the one time I'm like, all right, I'll go in with you and I'm just going to start getting coffee. And I went to get a coffee and I thought, all right, I'll get one freaking donut. I love the strawberry frosted donuts. <laughs> so I get one donut in a bag and I'm walking out with my buddy. And as soon as I walk out the door, there's a car parked right there, and there's two girls in it, and they're laughing at the cops coming out with don- with donuts and coffee in her hand. I'm like, that's it. No more. I'm not going to have donuts. So I still do on occasion. What the hell? So that used to be my buddy and, and mine's like tradition on our Friday. We would wait till there was one donut shop opened uh, that would open up around 4, and it was right by a park, so like we'd go, and you're not like people aren't supposed to park around that park at night, so we'd go and we'd you know check out the cars, write tags if we needed to, and then we would go grab a donut, energy drink, coffee, whatever, and inevitably like somebody would come in and like kind of like laugh, and we would go, yeah, I know it's a stereotype. Hey, why don't you come down? Come sit down, join us, and we'd have like impromptu, like I know they promote this whole thing of like coffee with a cop. We would yeah. have like our own little impromptu ones with cool. people that were like going to work at four thirty in the morning. We just call them cop vitamins. That's what they are. Yeah, cop vitamins. I like that. Cop vitamins. Yeah. <laughs> so what's on your bench right now? It's the um, well, a lot of pallets right now that I got to cut up. But since that epoxy still curing, no real sawdust in the garage. So yeah. So you have your plastic around for people that don't know. You you're doing a big river table. And you put plastic around it, and I didn't know why, but you you torch it right after you poured it. Yep. So deep pour epoxy, you don't have to torch it right away. Bubbles okay. will kind of come and go. Okay. But I, I want to say twelve hours, ten to twelve hours is when you start need you need to start torching it to get rid of those surface bubbles. 
okay. because that's when it's starting to actually cure. So the plastic walls, which is that thin painter's plastic that you get at Home Depot and the big long rolls, and I tape yeah. it around it so when the garage goes up and the wind, the inevitable California yeah, wind in, in Monterey just shoots sawdust all through the garage. So it's to keep the dust out of my epoxy so it, so it doesn't ruin it. Okay. Yeah, a lot of people don't realize that like Monterey Seaside Marina, they're super windy. It's, so can you put I, a I, lid I on it? That would or? be problematic. Yeah, would, it's not fun. Would you be able to put like a melamine lid over it so you keep so dust out of it? So it's an exothermic reaction, so it's releasing oh. heat. So if okay. you if you right contain the heat, it'll yeah. it'll go extreme exotherm. I think is what they call it, uh, and you can basically light it on fire, like okay, I did. We don't want to do that. Like I did before I, I left. Kind of be awesome to see. Before Christmas, I did that. <laughs> I was actually pouring in my room because you want like seventy degrees. And okay. this was easier to regulate than my garage because it's cold. And I poured the epoxy. It was like four inches deep and this small piece. And I kept torching it. The bubbles would come back. I kept torching it, which if you're listening and you do epoxy, don't keep torching it. Just relax and go at it 10 hours later. Um, do not stress about the initial bubbles. But I kept okay. torching it. I went into the shower. I took a shower. I got out and I came out. And it was rock solid. So like four inches of epoxy cured in a matter of like 10 minutes. Oh, wow. <laughs> I was like, well, well, something's wrong. And you kind of hover your, supposed to take a long you kind of like hover your hand over it. And it's like, and you just, can feel it. Like, I don't know if I feel comfortable with this in right, my house thank, right now. Thank God it didn't start a fire. I thought you were going to tell me you got out of the shower and it was like much warmer in your house. You started your bed on fire. No. So I I learn I I make a lot of mistakes with epoxy. Every time I do it, I feel like I learn new things. And yeah, it's hard. Pouring six gallons, I said I I don't care if I lose a quarter of my shop. I'm not wasting this. Right. I'm not pouring more epoxy down the drain. Um, right. So that Just... was kind of the motivation between hanging the plastic. Okay. Yeah. Great idea. And the and table's gonna be cool. There's there's better ways to do it. They have those little stanchion poles that you can hang up and wrap the, the plastic coffee just on put it. up. Yes. Yeah. He just posted yeah. about that. Yeah. Right, and they have the zipper walls, which you put onto the plastic. You unzip it. And I have the R U zip. Yep, reuse zip. So those they are those some, are yeah. really really great things to do. I okay. was going to San Diego, so I figured if I pour it, I close it. I don't have yeah. to worry about opening it until it's already cured. Right. Well, it six works. Six days yeah. later. So what kind of legs are you putting on it? So it's an epoxy river table, and I'm gonna cut. For the listeners, you're not going to be able to see my hand motions here, but I'm cutting it about a quarter of the way and making a waterfall edge out of one side, okay. and then I awesome. trimmed about a two-inch wide section off of it, and that's going to be the other side of the legs. Cool. Okay, um, and it's cool. just going to be a basic like U or O shape, yeah. whatever you want to call it, square yeah. legs. When will it be done? As soon as I can get it flattened. <laughs> I was going to try to flatten it in the garage with a router sled. Um, yeah, but I think I'm gonna take it to a local cabinet shop with a CNC. Okay, um, it's just it'll fit in your truck. Oh yeah, it's I guess so. Six feet long, okay. two feet wide at the most. How heavy? <laughs> Very heavy. <laughs> yeah, so you're gonna. That's the heaviest. Very. <laughs> yes. Your um, truck's gonna be sitting like this with its ass end down and the nose sticking up in the air. It's, you're gonna put her in the white the white Ford. The '96. The 96. Yeah, she's still kicking, but yeah. All right. So 
that's that's the big project right now. No real commissions, no nothing crazy going on. Just okay. Just and working on so a for me project. What are your future plans or your goals with your woodworking business? And I guess that ties into how long are you going to have to commit to the service? So after I graduate here in March of next year, I owe three years, and okay. then I could be, I could be out. Which if I get Houston, Texas, I'll probably get out and try to get a job there. But if I love what I'm doing in the Navy, then I'll stay. So it's very undetermined on that. But three years, so okay. 2025 is the earliest I could get out. I think I would want to keep building this until I could lean more on it as a an actual income. Because right now it's nice. It's it's buying, you know, like the higher tier bourbon instead of the, you know. <laughs> Bullet top shelf stuff you're yeah. Getting so you're, it's you're getting top shelf, not bottom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the yeah. it's the glass bottle versus the plastic bottle. So it's nice right now, but I would like to make it more of a business and actually have a um, solid income from it. Sure. So I don't know if that really answered your question, but in, no, in it the, did because the, I don't know if you're just doing it as a hobby or you actually want to turn it into a a more money producing business. So my issue right now is do I want it to be woodworking or the content creation side do i want to try to get into youtube and produce right. content because yeah there's barely any the videos on youtube weeks, about maybe posted like three or four times <laughs> exactly yeah. especially like river tables there's like none <laughs> everyone right. and their brother has one so it's it's an it's also stressful it's a lot of extra work as you guys know with editing posting and all that stuff so part of me just wants to just stay the course work. and just keep keep enjoying it yeah. Because the minute that it becomes stressful and a job, I'm just going to not want to do it. Sure. Yeah. I almost laid I up all my days. tools last, last summer. I had a table that had fallen oh, wow. apart, and I had to go buy new material to fix it because it was my issue because I made the mistake, um, okay. and they weren't – they're not supposed to fix something that I, you know. Right, of course. That it was my yeah. fault. I didn't know. I didn't know what I was doing. I thought I did, and that happened twice in like back-to-back -back tables that I made, I had glued wow. them the base to the top, which oh, okay. is a pretty, if you're a woodworker, you, you know that you're not supposed to do that because wood wants to move regardless. Right. And so that happened and I did back-to-back -back, uh, rebuilds, total rebuilds. Well, those so farmhouse tables? Oof. Yep. Okay. The trestle table with the x yeah. base okay yeah which i swear if i get another order i'm gonna i'm just gonna say no i i don't like making them anymore i like you the can straight say lip. no yeah i have a hard time saying no in theory I, I so do i no. and i'm buried i, I think that's a lot of us is i'm trying to say no more not just to brand and sexual advances but to orders well i i'm gonna not stop until you say yes <laughs> okay. 17 no's and a yes is a yes uh, yeah, giddy up. Uh, but You're talking to a human resources I, officer, with, <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> it's okay. I got, I, I got out in like 2015. You have no power here. Yeah, nice. <laughs> um, but no, I think that's a, a an issue for a lot of us. It's just the, that ability to say no because I think most of us want to kind of grow what we're doing. Maybe not with the intention of taking it full time, but you understand that, like, hey, if I start or you you believe that if you start saying no, you're going to stop getting requests. But in actuality, that may, that may actually help you because you're going to be seen as more exclusive. 
I noticed personally, like this last holiday weekend, I've been doing this for like a year. This last holiday week or uh, holiday season, things blew up for me because I had this super long waiting list because I didn't have the tools or the resources to knock stuff out like I do now. So I was telling people like, yeah, I'll get you on the list, but I mean, it, it's going to be a while. And they were like, and people were left and right going, yeah, here's the deposit. Get me on the list. This is what I want. Right. And it, it actually seemed to help me. And I, I was telling people like, look, if you want it for the holidays, I can't do it. Go. And I would give them like other people that I knew were doing. Uh, it was primarily flags that people wanted, but like I tell them like, go, I think I even told them to go to Mike. Like, go to Etsy, check out this guy. He makes flags. Check out this other guy. They make flags. But there's no way that I can get it done for you in time. And it almost seemed like, because I was talking to a friend about it, like, it kind of seemed like you were it's a status symbol. exclusive. Yeah, like, it was an exclusivity kind of thing of, like, wow, there's really high demand I was gonna here. going to say low, su- low supply. You know, you're, you're the supply. So whatever you can, yeah. whatever you can fill, people are going to want. And I didn't realize that in Monterey, the, you know, again, high income here. Yeah, people might see like my old when I did them all out of pine, my six hundred dollar table. Like, oh, that's a crummy table. If it's only six hundred dollars, I don't want a six hundred dollar table. Um, yeah. I raised the price more than double that on all hardwood. Granted, not pine anymore, and uh, I couldn't make them fast enough. Yeah, it's amazing kind of how that happens. Like, I. I like I severely undercharged a buddy of mine to build him. Like he wanted a backyard bar. And this is like second thing I had built. I think first thing outside of something that was going to go in my house. And I'm like, yeah, man. Like I just went and got the materials for him. Like it was you know, like 200 bucks. I'm like, uh, three fifty. Cause I had, I had no clue what I was doing. And I've, I've made the joke on here before of like, Hey, if you want a deal on something, Make it the first time that yep. I build it. Look at my I Instagram. No make sure I haven't charge. done it before. <laughs> yeah. Like go through, make sure that you don't see any pictures of it. And then ask me to do that. Cause I, I'm the same way. Like I have a hard time saying no. It's usually a, Hey, can I get a picture from like Pinterest and a, can you make this? And I always go, well, hold on a second. I'll type it into YouTube real quick and I go, yep. There's a video that'll tell me how to do it. I can absolutely do this. So I did that with my, my brother moved to Florida and this is years and years ago and i was still in construction home remodeling i wasn't really you know doing like woodworking it was just kind of like grunt work and he was like oh let's build a bar when you come and visit for spring break and it's oh my god it was the heaviest bar it was the heaviest item i think i've ever made in my life it was all two by sixes framed with like two by fours for like a four foot by like two and a half foot bar. So totally unnecessary, but I didn't know what I was doing. We didn't have an electric saw. We had to hand cut every single thing. So yeah, I mean, I didn't know that that was going to be how it was. And then when I went to college, my junior year, we got an apartment and I built a bar in it and you know, it was two by fours and two by threes. So we kind of learned, I learned a little bit and make this a little lighter, but yeah, I still still can't price my time out right anyways. Yeah, that's I think I've made the legs for this bar out of like four by fours. And then like just slatted it with uh, I think I was going to originally do two buys. And then I started grabbing the two by fours to load it onto the cart. I'm like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> this is going to weigh a ton. 
So I ended up putting them, putting the two buys back and getting the one buy stuff. But yeah, it, and it's all trial and error for a lot of us, especially if you don't have that that background in uh, in woodworking where you have that prior knowledge of like, okay, I know that this is overkill for this kind of thing. Well, and that's the um, like woodworking and kind of what you're talking about. The, the sum of the parts. If you have a ton of one buys, or not even a ton of one buys, if you put one buys every ten inches, it's going to be waste. It's still going to be sturdy, and it's not like you're jumping yeah. on a bar. It's not a college bar. People aren't dancing on it and you know getting thrown in cop cars for it. <laughs> Maybe they are. I don't know. It's a good job security <laughs> hey, for you guys, hey, but I I kind of hope that happens with the bar I made. But you know, it's it's some things you don't need the four by four. That even the two by three might be too much. Um, and yeah. plywood, I love I love working with plywood. Ever since I got a, a decent table saw. Plywood is one of my favorite things to use because it's just easy uh, and it's sturdy yeah. against some of the parts. Yeah. So you have a podcast that you're actually coming out with. What are you guys going to turn? You guys going to turn that into something, or you have a, a direction you want to go with it? Or we're we're brainstorming. So we're looking at if we want because it, it's hard. Uh, he's full time. I'm not full time, and we're just trying to figure out what we want it to look like. You know, is it going to be us just shooting the breeze? Or is it going to be us talking about like how to make content? Um, he's got several one million plus view videos on um, Instagram, and same with uh, TikTok as well. So when Tyler posts, it's usually like a really really good video, and I don't. I just kind of whatever I've got on the camera, I just throw together. <laughs> but I post more regularly, so. I don't know. Again, no no answer to that question, really. We just want to do it. Uh, he, he's my good buddy. I posted one of my first posts is a gun rack that I made for my friend in Florida. And he said, hey, are those yours? It was more than two years ago. It was probably close to three years ago. And we've just been good friends ever since. He'll like FaceTime me questions throughout the day. I'll be in class and I'll get a phone call from him. And he's like, hey, I just got some type of food. You should try this, something like that. Like, you don't need to tell me this right now. Send me a text. <laughs> so, like, real, like Mike was saying, like, good friends. Like, he's one of my closer friends. Yeah. And yeah. I've met him twice. Yeah, Tyler are like brothers. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. So, we just don't, we don't know yet, but I think we're getting close to cool. figuring out the, the basis. Keep nice. us up to date. I will. We'll have, uh, I don't know, we'll have Mike and then Brandon come on a different episode and see who. Who gets more views? Yeah. <laughs> we'll, just, we'll just spend yeah. the whole time just talking crap on the other. <laughs> yeah. No. All right. Well, we've been at over two hours, and this is the longest one we've done so far, Brian. Yeah, so sorry you, about you're that. You're living up to your rock star long, name. Long-winded. No, it's cool, man. Uh, it's fun. I, I enjoyed it, so I wanted to say- No, um, it didn't feel like two hours, so no. that's how you know it's going to be a good one. Right. Not at all. So thanks, Brian, for coming on. I really appreciate it. I know you're you're busy with school and everything, so I really appreciate you coming on and- and sharing your story with us. And Brandon, again, thanks for coming back right before you go on vacation. Yep. I, I appreciate your time with us and telling us stories about work before you leave us all for paradise. <laughs> yeah, enjoy your yeah. enjoy your time off. Relax a little bit. Take your mind off oh, of yeah. things. I, I may not even bring my phone with me. <laughs> I wouldn't. And don't wear a watch. Yeah. All right. So remember, for the listeners... New episodes of the Handcuffs and Sawdust podcast are released on Wednesday at midnight in the morning, Wednesday mornings. 
Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We're on Google, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, Pocket Cast, Pandora, and Deezer. Still not on Apple. <laughs> I'm doing something wrong. Uh, Brandon, if someone wants to ask us a question, what do I do? So as always, you can reach out through the good old electronic mail to handcuffs and sawdust podcast at gmail.com or you can slide on into those DMs. You can slide into Mike's at MM Midnight Maker. I think that's the fastest time I've ever said it without screwing it up. It is. Good job. You can hit me up over at Full House Woodworking or you can hit up the show's Instagram page at Handcuffs and Sawdust Podcast. Or Facebook. Yeah, you can do Facebook if you're really old too. Yeah. MySpace. And MySpace. Brian's right there with me. You're talking about Nintendo earlier. I don't know what year yeah. you were born. What hey. what song would we have on our MySpace page? Would it be like the cops theme? Well, it'd have to be. We'd have to pay for royalties though. No, you didn't have to pay royalties on Oh, on for MySpace? MySpace? No, man. I didn't have a MySpace page. What the hell? You think I'm like a your age? No, no, I know you're not. I think you're old enough that you could be my dad. I actually could be. I'm someone's dad. You're, you're uh, a couple of someone's dad. Yeah. So, Brian, uh, did you want to say goodbye to anybody special? You guys. You guys are my special guys. Aww. No. <laughs> Thank uh, you. I, I really do appreciate you guys having me on the show. I know it was long. Hopefully we cut out some of the ahs and the ums on my end. Oh, there's another one. I do it all the time, so don't worry. I'll make you sound great. Yeah, Mike does a great job of editing this to make us look uh, competent. Competent. We'll go with competent. Yeah. No, I do. I do oh, appreciate and... you guys. You guys having me on, though. All right, my pleasure. And uh, Brandon always leaves us with a word of wisdom at the end of the uh... show. <laughs> if it walks like a duck, and quacks like a duck, it definitely ain't a chicken. Okay. <laughs> with that being said, uh, we're gonna we're gonna go. It's late. So to everyone out there, stay safe in the shop and on the street. Peace. Later. Later.